Welcome to Season 2 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 93 is entitled The Slippery Slope to Totalitarianism. There is a poem by the romantic poet Percy Shelley that captures the arrogance of power. It is entitled Ozymandias. I met a traveler from an antique land who said, Two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them on the sand, half sunk, a shattered visage lies, whose frown and wrinkled lip and sneer of cold command tell that its sculptor well these passions read, which yet survive, stamped on these lifeless things. The hand that mocked them and the heart that fed, and on the pedestal these words appear. My name is Osmandius, king of kings. Look on my work, ye mighty, and despair. Nothing besides remains. Round the decay of the colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sand stretch far away. In an earlier podcast, we introduced a term called Machiavellian pragmatism. Machiavelli, in his little book, The Prince, has become the guidebook to all those seeking power without regard to freedom or liberty or moral values. They do what works regardless of what rights they trample on, whose lives they destroy, whose liberties they demolish, whose happiness they ruin, or whose fortunes they steal. Totalitarianism is the goal of all those who ruthlessly seek power at the expense of the freedom of others. Steps such as socialism, communism, fascism are mere steps on the ladder to totalitarianism. Big government is big government, regardless of what it is called. Consider freedom or liberty on a spectrum. On the far right is democracy, or a democratic republic in which the voice of the people rules, strengthened by a strong constitution. Now consider the other end, or the far left, as a totalitarian state where all power is centered upon one person. It doesn't matter what name that person is called. He may be called a king, queen, emperor, sovereign, ruler, monarch, prophet, governor, czar, comrade, fuhrer, dictator, despot, autocrat, president, or chairman. Those who centralize power into one person are dictators. Regardless of the names, what distinguishes a democracy from a dictatorship is the distribution of power and the strength of the Constitution. The moment government begins moving toward the left, the power of the people begins to diminish. Socialism is a form of dictatorship because power is concentrated in the hands of a few, Socialism is often ruled by those who think they know what is best for everyone. They do not believe that individuals are capable of ruling themselves or making good decisions. They believe the ends justify the means, which guarantees that some will be made to suffer for the good of the whole. It implies redistribution of wealth and guarantees that the self-reliant will be forced to support the non-self-reliant. America is rapidly moving toward totalitarianism beginning with advanced degrees of socialism. We have already changed from a democratic republic to a democratic socialist state. Democracy will be the next to be removed from the title, and we will be a full socialist state. That, by necessity, will be replaced with a stronger form of totalitarianism, because to maintain control, 
Government must not only grow bigger, it must also centralize power. The so-called liberal Democrats are farther to the left than the so-called conservative Republicans. That is the only difference. Every bill passed in Congress is now a socialist bill. The two parties merely quibble over the amount. Each party wants the other party to fail, not to save our republic, but so that the opposing party will lose favor with the voters and they will be swept into power. Both carry out the same liberal socialist policies, just on a different scale. Gaining office and staying in office is the primary goal of lifetime politicians. Notice that both parties immunize themselves against Obamacare, but have no problem forcing all other American citizens to fund it. Not holding themselves to the same laws they force on the voters is the mark of totalitarianism. It is a high form of treason that goes almost unnoticed. Has anyone questioned why socialized medicine was not repealed even when the Republicans had control of the Senate? They didn't want it repealed. Why should they? They aren't personally affected by it, and they risk becoming unpopular if it was repealed. Besides, they would have to come up with a better plan, and that is too risky. It requires accountability. In President Obama's 2014 State of the Union Address, Obama voiced the strategy of the socialists trying to gain power. He wants to take away our Second Amendment, even in violation of our Constitution. He said, Citizenship means standing up for the lives that gun violence steal from us each day. I have seen the courage of parents, students, pastors, and police officers all over this country, and I intend to keep trying with or without Congress to help stop more tragedies from visiting innocent Americans in our movie theaters, shopping malls, or schools like Sandy Hook. But America does not stand still, and neither will I. So wherever and whenever I can take steps without legislation to expand opportunities for more American families, that's what I'm going to do. To every mayor, governor, or state legislator in America, I say, you don't have to wait for Congress to act. Americans will support you if you take this on. As a chief executive, I intend to lead by example. In the coming weeks, I will issue an executive order requiring federal contractors to pay their federally funded employees a fair wage of at least $10.10 an hour. Because if you cook our troops' meals or wash their dishes, you shouldn't have to live in poverty. During a cabinet meeting on January the 14th, 2014, President Obama added the following. We're not going to be waiting for legislation in order to make sure that we're providing Americans the kind of help they need. I've got a pen, and I've got a phone, and I can use the pen to sign executive orders and to take executive actions and administrative actions that move the ball forward toward helping to make sure our kids are getting the best education possible, making sure that our businesses are getting the kind of support and the help they need to grow and advance, to make sure that people are getting the skills that they need to get those jobs that our businesses are creating. His speech is couched in seemingly benign terms, but notice the phrases. One, with or without Congress. Two, so whenever and wherever I can take steps without legislation to expand opportunities for more American families, that's what I'm going to do. 
Three, I don't have to wait for Congress to act. Four, in the coming weeks, I will issue an executive order requiring federal contractors to pay their federally funded employees a fair wage of at least $10.10 an hour because if you cook our troops' meals or wash their dishes, you shouldn't have to live in poverty. Five, we're not just going to be waiting for legislation in order to make sure that we're providing Americans the kind of help they need. Six, I've got a pen and I've got a phone and I can use that pen to sign executive orders and to take executive actions and administrative actions that will move the ball forward. Though it is couched in the form of the greater good, that is not the democratic way. That is how despots act. That is how dictators think. They bypass the law. They bypass Congress. They bypass the will of the people. The reason we have a balance of power is to prevent leaders from overriding the Constitution, overriding our representatives, and overriding the will of the people. America, however, didn't pay attention. Today, President Biden has advanced Obama's policies by bypassing the Constitution bypassing the rule of law, bypassing Congress, and bypassing the will of the people. It takes many snowflakes to crown a mountain, but only one snowflake to cause an avalanche. If we are to save our union, we must return to the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence, the balance of power, the sacredness of life, the protection of equality, the protection of religion, of freedom of speech, and of freedom of the press. We must reinstate the honor of flag, the Pledge of Allegiance, the respect for God, the sacredness of life, the protection of voting privileges. We must preserve our sovereignty, maintain law and order, self-reliance, protect private property, balance our budget, control our spending, and restore common sense. We must force our politicians to abide by the same laws they impose on the citizens. We must severely punish those who use our taxes as bribes for votes, who favor special interests, who steal the election, who disregard the Constitution, who accept bribes, who lie, and who generally disregard their sacred oath of office. Sustaining democracy is very hard. Self-reliance is harder. Personal responsibility is harder still. Failure is the hardest of all, but that is the price of living in a democratic republic. The road to socialism is an easy one. Those who want to be taken care of will sell their votes to those who promise to take care of them, and entitlements once instated are hard to withdraw. We must cut the umbilical cord. We must untie the apron strings. We must let people stand on their own, make their own decisions, even if it means in some cases poverty and failure. Once you start down the road of socialism, it is a slippery slope to totalitarianism. Examine the following from Machiavelli's little book, whose methods are being adopted by those in high positions today. You must know that there are two ways of contesting, the one by law and the other by force. The first method is proper to men, the second to beasts. But because the first is frequently not sufficient, it is necessary to have recourse to the second. Therefore, it is necessary for a prince to understand how to avail himself of the beast and the man. One without the other is not durable. You would think that such attitudes would not be tolerated in America, but you would be wrong. 
We are being bullied today on a scale that we have never experienced before. Our leaders are bypassing the rule of law. They are using offices of government to punish those who oppose their views, even the IRS, the FBI, and the Justice Department. Decent people won't dare to run for office. One recalls the wise words of the Savior, that he who is without sin cast the first stone. Our borders are left open to criminals. Our cities are unsafe. Our children are unsafe. Law and order is breaking down. Taxes are consuming us. And yet our tax dollars are given away as bribes while those in power are seeking to gain more power. We're not as far away from totalitarianism as you may think. Look at the past. The methods of Egyptian pharaohs have been imitated by many subsequent dictators. Such imitations can be seen in the rise to power of Hitler, Lenin, Stalin, and many other less influential, plenipotentiary, and penipotentates. It can be seen in the rise of communism, socialism, Nazism, and fascism. It is even creeping into our own politics. Look at the breakdown of our borders, defunding of police, breakdown of law and order, Look at the irresponsible spending. All appetites but one have a surfeit. Only the lust for power is insatiable. That is closely followed by the lust for riches. Riches, however, have a surfeit. When one has everything money can buy, what is more money? A mere number. It quickly converts to a means to power. Any physical appetite has its surfeit, but more money means more power. Riches are given new life only when they turn to more power. Power is first, and wealth, which is used to purchase power, is second. Paul does not condemn riches. He condemns the love of money, which is a form of idol worship. And they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. 1 Timothy 6, 9-10 through All of the vices fall under the sticky swamp of hedonism and self-indulgence and in varying degrees degrade the body and drive away the spirit. But power is the overriding evil, and once on the march, it is difficult to stop. Total devotion is required in all totalitarian states. Hitler instinctively understood power. Early in his takeover of Germany, he became not only immune to the law, but he became the embodiment of the law. In the propaganda film, The Triumph of the Will, Hitler became fixed in the minds of the Germans as Germany. Hitler and Germany were one and the same. Allegiance to Germany, which was the subject of the film, was allegiance to Hitler. Loyalty to Germany, which was the theme of the film, was loyalty to Hitler. Albert Speer, Hitler's chief architect and armaments minister, observed from Spandau Prison, where he served for 20 years for using slave labor. Now that I am preoccupied with the matter, he said, it suddenly seems to me that in the Third Reich, I heard no word more frequently than loyalty. It fell from everyone's lips. Today, in America, that loyalty exists in the collusion of the liberal party, in the press, big business, social media, and in the Justice Department, the FBI, and other government offices. All Democrats vote one way. The press in large majority slant news one way. As with all totalitarian states, one voice is rising in America. In Russia, they had one new source, the government. America has moved rapidly in that direction in the collusion of the press, the liberal party, and the social media. 
Freedom of speech and freedom of the press are rapidly declining in America. Even the conservative president's voice was muted by the news and by the social media. And the news we do hear is diluted into propaganda and opinion supported with questionable facts. When one has absolute power, it is easy for one to see himself as a god. History bears that out. Hitler, an assassin and mass murderer who had absolute power over the life and death of the German citizens, felt that his immunity from frequent attempted assassinations was because of divine intervention. Albert Speer said that Hitler would remark between the soup and the salad, I'm going to annihilate the Jews in Europe. Speer added that Hitler would quote scripture to support his cause. As long as there is one righteous man, Speer added that he had no doubt that Hitler saw himself as that one righteous man. Hitler claimed that the Third Reich would last a thousand years. It barely lasted a thousand days. Russian tyrants wanted the same power. Lenin, Stalin, and the intellectual Trotsky understood power. They understood that for absolute power, there could be no competing religion or competing tyrant. Trotsky, though he fled the country for fear of his life, was assassinated in South America. The Tsar and his family were murdered and buried in unmarked graves. Before Ivan the Terrible, the Russian eagles, one eagle representing the Russian Orthodox Church, the other representing the state, were equal. Ivan the Terrible, who murdered his own son in a fit of rage, changed the balance of power and raised his eagle above the others. Much later, communism replaced the Tsars. They too understood power. However, as atheists, the communists wanted to eliminate religion. It became the communist leader's goal to destroy 2,000 Russian Orthodox churches a year. They didn't want to make the same mistakes the Tsars made and share power with the church. Like an Egyptian pharaoh, Lenin's body was impeccably preserved and displayed in the Kremlin for all to see his immortality. I cannot forget the moment under heavy guard as I examined his lifeless body from a moving sidewalk. Twenty million Russians died at the behest of a wax-like corpse. Instead of the Christian god, stone idols of Lenin and Stalin were erected throughout Russia. Freedom of religion is declining in America. Christianity is systematically being removed from all government facilities. Flags are desecrated. History is being rewritten. Language is changed to fit political correctness. And statues are being destroyed. In all levels of education, students are being indoctrinated to accept the views of the left. Even teaching to elementary students that all whites are racist and white supremacists. In our nation, we have replaced one racism with another. Racism is necessary for the left to survive. Citizens are not supposed to think independently. Otherwise, the one voice so necessary for a totalitarian state will be destroyed. I remember once floating down the Volga River in Russia. I was standing alone on the broad deck of the cruise ship early in the morning and shrouded by a heavy fog. I saw in the misty distance a colossus, like Poseidon, eerily rising out of the water. It was a colossus, but it looked like the figure of a man. I couldn't keep my eyes off of it. It appeared to be in the middle of the river, its ghostly image taller than the thick Russian forest that surrounded it. As we got closer, I could see that it was a statue. I've now forgotten whether it was Lenin or Stalin. I think it was Stalin. It ruled the ghostly landscape. Statues of Russian rulers were everywhere in Russia. They were not built to honor men. They were built like the statues of pharaohs of Egypt to intimidate the enslaved subjects. The monolithic stone image, like the monolith of Egypt, stood as a god. As stated by John in Revelation, the power is in the image of the beast, not in the beast.
and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. That prophecy by John could be the theme of all totalitarian states, thus adding to the Machiavellian rules. America, of course, is not there yet, but we are on the slippery slope because we are losing our center. We are losing our anchor. We are turning against our Constitution and Bill of Rights. We are turning against Christianity. We are on the decline to socialism. To work, socialism must put the power in the hands of a few. History has shown that no one can handle unlimited power. A raging forest fire generates its own bellows, heat increasing heat until the entire forest is consumed. If we do not turn to God who gave us our liberty, if we do not turn to the vision of our forefathers who gave their lives that we might be free, if we do not live the law of liberty, which is the Ten Commandments, we will slide down the slippery slope of totalitarianism. We cannot settle. We must keep our eye on the Constitution and Bill of Rights. We must keep our faith in God. We must insist on law and order. We must honor our flag. Freedom is not an entitlement. Freedom is a full commitment to a way of life. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast. In Defense of Christianity is available at RonaldMesser.com.